Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. You're thinking, that's weird. No, it's not. It's what we do. This show is dedicated to your financial life. Not mine. Not mine. It's yours. You email us, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com about any topic, financial topic, and we answer that question on the show. I'm saying we, not in the royal sense today, but because I'm joined by my colleague, director, what's your title? Director of Personal Financial Strategies. Damien Dunn from Your Money Line. Hi, Damien. Hi, Pete. Colleague. We feel like colleague should be pronounced different. This week on the show, we've got a few different things. Let's get after it. We got, uh, here's what we got. We got uh, teenage investing. We got a guy wondering about how old do you make $250,000 a year of income. And a retirement scenario question. Damien, where do you want to begin? We have not pre-screened these questions. I just know that's what they're about. This is, uh, we're doing it live. Let's go with uh, teenage investing for 200, Alex. All right. This is one of, uh, by the way, I know this because I know the name. This is one of our longest time listeners, listens to the podcast. I mean, just truly a great man, and I'm excited to answer his question. Greetings, Pete. Been listening to the podcast since back in the day when you dropped knowledge on our heads. You know what that means is I used to have little stingers in the midst of the podcast where I would say, drop a knowledge on your head, and now I'm embarrassed, and he still misses that audio clip. Uh, My 14-year-old son recently asked me about Stash an app that uh, enables investing with as little as $5. I looked into it, and I'm pretty intrigued as a way for him to start investing in companies he's interested in. The app allows for fractional shares, custodial accounts, and even has banking features. And the fees for a custodial account are just $1 per month with no trading or transaction fees. So I'm inclined to open an account with him and uh, let him invest some of his Christmas gift money allowance, etc., etc., my first question to ask your opinion on this particular program, good, bad, ugly, or what have you heard? Or can you point me to a reliable source that reviews these kinds of services? And assuming no major concerns, I'd appreciate any advice you have for a young investor. What simple measures should he be looking at when he's considering buying a company stock? How, I love this. I mean, how should he define his uh, goals for this? Uh, what does secure a success look like? And how do you avoid a broken heart when your stock performance is down? I'm eager to support him as he wades into the financial world beyond the three-foot-tall plastic Colts-themed coin jar in his bedroom. Any advice you have is much appreciated uh, from our friend. <laughs> how many hours is this show? I don't know. But uh, you know what? We may spend two segments on this because it's a big topic. It's an important topic. And I want to begin this discussion by saying I purchased my first share of stock in sixth grade uh, through my friend's dad, who was a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. I bought one share of Philip Morris stock. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I owned a tobacco stock, one share. I bought it for $37. Okay. I think in 1989, I want to say. And uh, it taught me a lot about investing. It tripled. It split twice. Uh, right, it would be quadruple. Anyway, it tripled in value, and there was a split involved by the time I graduated from high school. I think so I sold it for 130 something. Anywho, um, interesting. Yeah. So, what, by, by the way, what was your first investment? Do you remember? 
a mutual fund of some sort. Yeah, it was, lame. Uh, actually, you know what? I do remember it was um, Putnam Capital Appreciation Fund, Capital World Growth and Income. Oh, American Funds. American Cap- Funds. CWTGIX. Oh, okay. Two nerds talking. Yeah, I know. Makes for great radio. Do you know anything about Stash? Specifically, no. But it's not. This is going to be a helpful segment. But it's not the first time that Stash, Robinhood, concepts like this have come up. Yeah. Um, at least in, in, in my side of the business. Sure. And I think uh, that, that these apps offer a lot of uh, potential and a lot of learning capability to go along with it. The issue potentially is, though, you get somebody who doesn't understand how investing is supposed to work. Sure. or they, they don't have somebody to hold their hand as it goes, and they end up doing the cardinal sin of investing they sell when it's low. Yeah, right. So, okay, so there's some fundamentals, no matter what application or platform you use, that a young investor needs to uh, familiarize themselves with. Uh, frankly, the very f- I read two investment books, uh, the first two book investment books I read, I should say, <laughs> um, Richest Man in Babylon, which is a must read. Thomas Stanley? Or, I think so. Okay, read that. And then Investing for Dummies. I mean, I, I legit read Investing for Dummies back in the day. Uh, and so you got to start there because not only do we need to learn about the mechanics of investing, but we need to understand the philosophy and the theory behind investing. Things like the cardinal sin you just discussed, buying low, selling high, uh, is the right way to do it. Uh, the opposite, the cardinal sin, of course, is buying high and selling low, which we're naturally inclined to do. And when you, uh, I'm not going to say a teenager lacks discipline. Although if I did, I don't think anyone would be writing me angry letters. Most teenagers don't have the self-control to understand that when emotions and money and valuable things get involved, that cardinal sin happens pretty quickly. Yeah, and I, I don't want to chase this rabbit too far, but frankly, that's why you pay an advisor money is to keep you from making similar mistakes as an adult. It's not just teenagers. I, I'm not out there trying to uh, shame uh, kids or, or even young adults who are just getting their feet in the water the first time. I've seen plenty of folks of all ages who make what are in practice irrational decisions based on their emotions and their fears. And that's why an advisor can be valuable and making sure that you don't shoot yourself in the foot. By the way, this is definitely two segments because I, I want to stick on this for a second. I 100% buy into the idea that a financial advisor, in many respects, is there to protect an investor from their own emotions. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that that concept resonates with a lot of investors, mm-hmm. though, because you have to admit a, a shortcoming. And, and for people, oh God, man, I'm about to stereotype. With people with money, people don't like with money don't like to admit they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, sure. I I think it takes somebody who really understands themselves to say, I don't have the capacity, I don't have the knowledge base, uh, I maybe I don't have the emotional makeup to do this on my own. It's a unique person that can do that because we all like to think that we can take care of our own stuff. I, I would think someone with a, a dad like the dad emailing us. Um, this is a good dad. It's a smart dad. I know him. And I feel like he could be that that level of accountability for the son. Now, what I don't know about Stash specifically, as we actually touch on it, maybe answering this question, is um, 
how frequently you can go in and trade. I mean, some of these applications, you can't actually trade intraday. You Your trades only go at the end of the day or something like that. And, and it wouldn't, it doesn't really matter if that's the case for Stash. My point is, if, if the young uh, young man sees an opportunity or something that scares him, he makes a move before he talks to his parents. And that would conceivably expensive lesson depending on how much money he put in you know yeah a lot of these types of apps and i i think it's stash but i'm not sure have two windows a day and that's kind of a, a industry term but you basically they'll place trades twice a day for you 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 can submit your order and then once that window opens up for their company they submit all the orders that they've gathered up to that point and your trades executed things could look a lot different between the time that you place the order and the time it's actually executed but if you're going in for a long-term investment, uh, you know, opportunity, which yeah. I, I'm hoping this dad would would teach his his son or, or daughter about um, the importance of that. Uh, two windows a day isn't a huge deal. Yeah, and, and as I think about this here, at the risk of sounding condescending, I don't think it really matters that uh, a young teenager should take advantage of intraday pricing like there's just no reason for that here's what we're gonna do we got 20 seconds left in this segment damien i'm reprogramming the second segment it is investing lessons for lincoln that's the kid's name all right so you and i are gonna go through and we are gonna talk to our sixth or seventh grade self and tell them what you wish you would have known then we're doing that next on the pete the planner show i'm pete the planner Back on the Pete the Planner show. This this show, oh, good friend Damien Dunn. Very impressive title at your money line joins us. Thank you. You're welcome. I gave it to you. All right. So um, this this segment is dedicated to young listener Lincoln down in Texas. I think they still live in Texas. Lincoln, buddy, this is for you. What Damien, uh, D- Damien is a CFP. He's been in this business for a really long time. I've done a thing or two in the financial world. This segment is for you, my young friend. We're going to just explore some of the concepts, ideas that you need to know as a young investor. And Damien, I'll start us off. I think the thing I wish someone would have told me um, is how hard it is to actually double your money. Because when you're a young person and you invest $100 and you get $10 in return, you don't care. You just don't, how could you care? A hundred dollars is a lot of money. And then you get $10 back after 12 months. And, and, and in, in the adult world, that's an amazing return. But as a kid, who cares? So you're thinking, I want my hundred to turn into 200 or more this year. And that is unbelievably unrealistic and can cause a lot of risk problems. Yeah, I'm trying to teach my children who uh, nine and soon to be seven, uh, and they have just basic savings accounts right now. And to see them open up their, sa- their statements yeah, each totally. month, they, it's like, well, I've got you know, 150 or whatever it is in, in the bank, and I'm getting pennies back. Uh, why, am I, why am I keeping it at the bank? And so to try and explain the, the concept of compounding interest and what time and the advantage that Lincoln has that his parents don't have anymore I know. is time. And every time I get in front of a, a group to talk to uh, young adults, whether they're high school or college, 
I try and impress on them that advantage that they have something now in their power that they that their parents do not have, that their aunts and uncles do not have, that their older siblings do not have. And if you can get that concept, the younger you can get it, the better. That the time is a huge advantage. Let me explain that directly. Please. Lincoln, I'm talking to you and you alone. If other people are listening, that's their problem. Lincoln the next $100 that you set aside into an investment is so much more powerful than the next $100 your mom or dad put into their investments because you have more time. They're old. You're a young buck. You have got all the time in the world. Damien, the ne- that's a good lesson, by the way, that you've just taught the young man. Uh, my next one uh, in terms of investments are... Just because it's a consumer brand that you know of doesn't make an, an, inve- an amazing investment, right? I mean, I think that is a, a lot of times people say, well, I only invest in what I know, you know, it's so like I understand that. But, but knowing that a, a place has stores in your local strip mall mm-hmm. isn't the same as knowing the investment. So I think a lot of young people... And that young people ex- extends all the way to beginning investors who are in their 30s, 40s, or 50s. Investing in brand names isn't necessarily a good idea because you have to understand the financial fundamentals behind those brands. Sure. I, you've got all sorts of things uh, and, and risks that are outside of the scope of your knowledge, especially as a young investor that you, you're just not aware of. You can try and research, which we may get to at some point on, on what to look for yeah. in investments. Um, but there are so many things behind the scenes that, that you may not know how to go through. And you probably don't know how to go through different statements and 10Ks and whatnot to look for the information that you might be able to parse out right. some information. It's ridiculous. I mean, there are advisors all over the country that don't do that on a regular basis for their investments. I, I hate to you know, throw some advisors under the bus. But, but of course, they, I didn't do that when I was an advisor. Yeah, you're, you're going off of the words of a Morningstar report. And a wholesaler that comes into your office and what the other guy who's successful in town is doing. I think, you know, really, that's a really interesting piece of advice for Lincoln because this comes down to do you want to learn how to gamble or do you want to learn how to invest? If you want to learn how to gamble, don't do research. Just guess. If you want to learn how to invest, learn how to, to, to read financial statements. Learn what a price earnings ratio is. Like learn these things because when you do... You're an investor. When you don't, you're speculating. You're just you're digging holes in your backyard, hoping that black gold bubbles up. You know, and um, whether you're young or old, or it's a hundred bucks or a hundred thousand bucks, that's a mistake. Um, the the good thing is being so young and 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 relatively speaking, having pretty low stakes. No offense, my buddy Lincoln. Um, you can take some risks and you can learn on the fly. Now, Damien, this one. I feel like I should write a column about for my adult investors. And that is the most powerful aspect of investing isn't what the asset is, but it's the fuel you add to the investment on a regular basis. I think way too many people get caught up in what their investments are doing. Meanwhile, they're blowing their income on consumable things and not fueling the fire that is their investment portfolio. Lincoln, that is a really obnoxious way to say, dude, just keep putting money into it. Like, can't stop, won't stop. Uh Uh-huh. Like, you just got to keep putting money in. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what if it goes down? 
Damien, please explain to our buddy Lincoln what happens if your investment goes down and you're still putting money into it. That's not a dumb thing. It's a smart thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're essentially buying something on sale. If you go to the store and you're looking at, I don't know what's hot right now. Is there are there shoes that are hot right now? I don't, I don't know. I, let's talk about Fort. Is it uh, Epic Games? Is Epic that Game? Fortnite? Uh, maybe. Man, uh, dude, I've never felt I older. Know. Lincoln, I'm sorry. So if if uh, if you go to the store and something's normally fifty bucks, but you find out you can buy for twenty five or two for fifty, you think it's a great deal. If it's a good product. If it's a good product, you're buying something for less. The good news is is that it's going to come back up to value someday. So if you go in and buy a Epic Games or whatever sure. the, the the parent company is, if they're publicly traded, uh, you find out that they're still making lots of great stuff and, and the market's right there for it. But for whatever reason, maybe it's being drugged down by just an overall crappy market. You go and you buy it and you buy more of it because it costs less. You're buying more for the same amount of dollars. When the market comes back and it's priced where it should be, all of a sudden you've got more shares and you've got more resources sitting there. I will say this as we try to make sure we're answering Lincoln's question here. <laughs> Maybe we'll go to a third segment. I just don't know. Um, here, here's where I'm at. Um, I kind of I, I like this idea of the stash app for a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it for an adult. I'll evaluate that maybe later. But for a kid who wants to buy fractional shares, and for those that don't know what that means, uh, fractional shares are when, you know, let's say something costs $100 a share. To buy a uh, a share of ABC companies, $100. You don't have $100. You have $20 bucks, uh, on Stash, according to uh, Lincoln's dad here. You can buy a fractional share. That means you can put in 20 bucks and you'll get uh, 20% of a share, which is great. Sure. I think when we're talking about apps like Stash or Robinhood or whatever, my biggest concern for an adult who, who should be working towards defined financial goals at that yeah. point is diversification. Totally. So I don't know. I, I don't know if we have enough time to really dig into that and the rest of you this know what segment. we're we're blowing the show out for Lincoln today. All right. So the whole show is for him. It's it's Lincoln Day. It's Lincoln's birthday. I don't. I don't think I, it is. I doubt it. I don't know. It'd Maybe if you're really listening cool to the was. podcast, it'd be amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, it's, we're going to talk about diversification coming back from the break. We're going to hit like the, the basics, right? Um, but that's an interesting point because on an app like this, where you're buying individual equities, individual stocks, you're not diversified at all. In fact, if you're buying big names, you know, you're buying a bunch of blue chips. Sometimes all tech companies that, that don't offset each other in different market conditions and cycles. Which is not really good investing at all. That's why your investment of uh, a mutual fund, you, the Capital World Growth and Income Fund from American Funds, was a better first investment than me capitalizing on the smoking habits of Americans who who died from from lung cancer. All right, coming up after the break, it's Lincoln's show today. Listener Lincoln down in Texas. I think that's where he lives. Uh, Teen, 14 years old. We're trying to help him invest. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, it's the Lincoln edition. A young listener, number four, number 14. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. I know. He's 14 years old. He's down in Texas, we think. His name's Lincoln. Lincoln, we're teaching you about investing today. His dad emailed us a question about the Stash app where you can invest a little bit of money, fractional shares, learn how to invest. Damian Dunn is my uh, guest co-host today. We both agree, Lincoln and dad and mom. That uh, that sounded disparaging when I said and mom, didn't it? A little it? bit. A little bit. Jeez, that, I'm sorry. I did not mean to come off that way, but it happened. Uh, we think it's a good idea for a young investor to be able to do that with proper monitoring from mom and dad. Uh, so by all means, download it. Be careful. Learn. But we'd like we have a reading assignment. We'd like you to consider reading "Richest Man in Babylon," the classic book, and then. Uh, Investing yeah. for dummies, <laughs> says the dummy. Yeah. Now, you were mentioning, uh, Damien, diversification. What does uh, Lincoln need to know about diversification investing as a 14-year-old? So, or, or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. As If we're talking strictly on the Stash app, it's, it's going to be difficult to pull off. But here's why diversification is a great concept to know going forward. You're buying individual stocks inside a Stash. Right. It means uh, you live or die based on the year that they have. Your, your results will be directly impacted by one or two or three companies that you have inside that holding. Diversification is going to say, let's flood that, that account with even more options, even more investments that you have. So that's where mutual funds come in. Mutual funds are investment tools that are made up of sometimes as small as dozens of different companies to hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of different companies. Your results aren't going to be based on the performance of just one or two companies. It's gonna be spread out. So if, if a few of them have bad years, but the rest of them have really good years, your investment's still gonna go up. And, and, and by the way, um, mutual funds, one example of that, another example of that is an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, which I, I think is, is I don't want to say it's more commonly used. I don't know if that to be true, but it's certainly more popular. Yeah, I think they're starting to gain traction, uh, mainly for the cost aspect. Uh, some people really dig the the fact that they can be traded intraday, which means just throughout the day, like a stock. Uh, instead, mutual funds are only traded once a day, and that's at the the close of business. So. Yeah, ETFs are great. I, I use them almost exclusively in, in my stuff. Um, yeah, I know I own some individual equities with a small portion of my portfolio, and then I own all ETFs beyond that. Same. Um, let me see if I can work this metaphor in for our buddy Lincoln on diversification. Let's say the homecoming dance is coming up, and you're looking for a date. What if, Damien, Lincoln calls up several ladies and diversifies his, his efforts to secure a homecoming date? Does this work? It works unless they all say yes. Yeah, if, if more than one says yes, he might have an issue. Or if they all say yes, have your dad wrench you a limo. Uh, you, you just go. roll deep the, into that the, thing. You're the most popular guy walking into that Oh, place. man. Send pics. Um, all right. So, Lincoln, hopefully that answers your question. Thank you for your years of listenership. I know Lincoln does listen in the car with his dad, which is cool. kind of cool. You know? I remember listening to... Uh, the radio with my dad when I was a kid. We used to listen to the Bruce Williams show, uh, which was just like general talk where he'd answer questions about, it seemed like everything. 
Uh, and we used to listen on the way to like basketball or football practice when I, when I was a kid. And I just thought it was so cool listening to the radio with my dad. So uh, Lincoln, hopefully you and your dad and your mom for that matter are enjoying that experience. Damien, we got a question. I'm going to call it a strange question, which just seems rude. It's from Brando. Uh, hello. I just wanted to know from Pete's experience, what kind of individuals are earning $250,000 a year? Like, what are their vocations and experience and educational background like? Uh, I'm an organizational psychology master's student writer that is special, uh, especially mad about how I'm going to survive and become independent upon graduation. I'm really struggling to find out a way to reach my dream income, which is $255,000 a year. It's 32. His mom's retiring soon. I'm going to say blah, 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 which seems rude, but there's a lot of stuff there. But I, I want to hit the essence of the question with the time we have left here. First of all, I would have to say I have never aspired to make a certain amount of money as specific as 255000 American dollars. Yeah, I'm wondering what got him to two fifty five. Like what? He's like, two fifty four. not good enough. I had to squeeze in that extra $1,000 for a, a one more month payment on something. I, I wonder where Brandon is located geographically. That would have a huge impact on... <laughs> how possible it is yeah and let's just let's just take it at the simplest form like i got the question and i was like i can name you 10 professions quickly that can make two hundred fifty thousand dollars. But but let's start here very few very few entry-level positions other than you're a a guy that can catch a pass and you're six six and can run a four two i mean very few people can entry level at 250 however a few years in a lot of doctors, a lot of physicians, right? And by the way, doctors, I don't mean PhDs. Right. Uh, I mean medical doctors. Yeah. Dentists, mm-hmm. right? But they'll easily have that in student loan debt. Exactly. Well, that was going to be my next yeah. point was it, most of these things that we're going to say require a high level of education, which often comes hand in hand with a high level of debt. Do you want to give one now? I mean, I sort of, this is one side. You want to uh, give attorneys. one? Attorneys. But then, again, this is on the partner track. Mm-hmm. And then once you make partner, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times they'll make around a hundred or something like that. And then they, they, they gain some momentum mm-hmm. and then they get in the partner track and they're making four to 500 mm-hmm. or more. Uh, what else? Uh, an accountant for a big four firm, but again, that's partner track. Yeah. You know, a good one sales, baby sales. Uh, Brandon, if you can sell, you can, I was going to say easily make $255,000 a year, but if you can really sell, it's not easy, but it's easy for you because you're good at selling. Uh, a lot of the top salespeople in any organization are making mm-hmm. that kind of coin. Um, what other, I mean, we've named four or five. I, I can, anyone else? I mean, if we want to be as general as, you know, businessman, on, <laughs> entrepreneur, yeah, I would say entrepreneur, though. I yeah, mean, you want those headaches, Brandon. You yeah. definitely want yeah. it's it's not a glorious lifestyle always, yeah. but but it's there. A real estate broker and or real estate agent in the right uh, neighborhood. You know what? That's a really good point. That that goes back to sales, but you're absolutely right. In the real estate game, absolutely make two hundred fifty thousand a year. And and for that matter, if you know what you're doing, you could rehab and flip homes and make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I think the key uh, uh, common thread here 
is that you are skilled at what you do and it's not entry level. If you're flipping homes, you know, maybe you can do that in the first year. I don't know. But if you're seasoned at it, it's your, what your expertise is. You got your 10,000 hours in, so to speak, mm -hmm. Malcolm Gladwell, then, then yeah, maybe you can make 250. I would argue this. Um, and, and Brandon, it's not that I don't think you have a good goal by saying it's $255,000. I'm not saying it's a bad goal. I guess the question is why? Why why two fifty five? I mean Yeah, I there's some questions there. I, I would love to have a conversation with them and just okay, this is your goal. Why? Is, is it reasonable? And is it attainable? I mean, are you planning on staying in the same field that you're getting your masters in? If so, that may present some roadblocks. And I know very little about the field that he's getting his masters in. I don't know. I mean, is he asking to because he he's contemplating jumping ship and going to something else? But I'll, I'll say this, and and I always feel like anytime you start talking income like this, you tiptoe on since you know people's um, sensitivity to this. Like, you're not going to make two fifty being a nurse. Mm -hmm. You're not going to make two fifty being in HR. You're not going to make two fifty um, being in customer service. I mean, and and this is not these aren't rude comments. This is just true. Um, Maybe you make 250 as a restaurateur if you have several successful restaurants, right? It's like, it's it's hard to make 250, but there is a path for a skilled person that has the right education and background. So, Brandon, thank you for your question. Damien, coming up after the break, we're hitting biggest waste of money of the week. I hope you came prepared today. Yeah. I have mine. Mine's kind of dumb, so maybe I'll find a better one during the break. <laughs> Um, this is the Lincoln Learns About Money episode of the show. I'm Pete the Planner, and this, this here, this is my show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is... We got a few here. Uh, Damian Dunn. Uh, it's got a title. It works for my company. Still here. Line. It's still here. Still He's here. still the show. Uh, all right. I got two. Uh, you got one. Let me begin with my first one. The match striker dish. It's rare that something so practical is also a display piece and conversation starter. This dish checks each box. Made by hand in Virginia with an unglazed upper rim that has a texture perfect for striking a match it's made on a potter's wheel with black speckled clay before being trimmed and bisque fired place it near your fireplace humidor your favorite candle or anywhere you might need a light due to the handmade nature of the dish each one is unique and will vary slightly do you wonder if uh, when they it's made in virginia and you put it in your your favorite candle it wouldn't be a yankee candle would oh, okay nice. very nice <sighs> any story out of virginia this week just sounds like it's got no, a little something extra on there. it let's not talk about that i mean how i i don't want to talk i want to talk about it but i don't want to talk about it it's a horrible situation we're talking about it now yeah i'm sorry yeah it's a horrible situation I, I, don't. I can't not talk about it. And you don't have to say anything. Good. Here's what I want to say. The guy said, no, that's not me in blackface, but I did dress in blackface <laughs> to go to another party. That's like, honey, I did not cheat on you with Brenda. Now, I did cheat on you with Cindy, but not with Brenda. You, what is he thinking? 
that's terrible. He's got to go. Okay, that's my opinion. All right. Um, you got a dish to set your matches in? You know what else you can set your matches in? Almost anything. A matchbox. That's true, too. You know what also allows you to strike a match conveniently and also hold the matches? Matchbox? A matchbox. Instead, these people want $32 to have this uh, fragile vessel to set your matches in. And by the way, let's say you catch a spark the wrong way, there's conflagration happening. Yeah, these people don't have kids. These people, right. You think I'm going to have exposed matches around Ted? No. He just runs around in his undies all the time anyway. He could light something on fire. My son lit the carpet on fire a couple of years ago. It and was that's not even fun. a euphemism. No. Like he yeah, literally. No, he did. Was, yeah, totally. kids and fire. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Damien, what's your biggest waste of money of the week? Did you think we were going to talk about the Virginia governor's blackface thing? No. No, I was not on my, my show notes. You know, I'm okay. Some I stay out of political stuff most of the time. I'm okay with coming out to say, he's got to go. You dressed in blackface. Like, I'm comfortable with that. I don't feel like someone's going to be like, well. And I'm like, I don't care about your well. I mean, it's a pretty cut and dry thing. It just doesn't. You can't lead when that's the situation. I don't know why I'm talking about this on my financial show. Damien, what's your biggest waste of money of the week? Uh, this week I have. Is this your last appearance on the show? I Maybe. <laughs> I'll have to talk to my agent. Yeah, who's that? I, Dad? Maybe. Okay. Uh, a long-distance friendship lamp. <laughs> light, light up loved ones' lives across town or the whole country with two or more of these in-sync lamps. When you, turn one on, when you turn one on with a simple touch of your hand, its mate emits the same ambient glow no matter where it is and who is on the other end, parent or grandparent, niece or nephew, or long-distance significant other. Each person sets up their lamp via Wi-Fi, then reaches out and touches the lamp whenever they want to let their loved one know they're thinking of them. Oh, man. So essentially... It's, you, it's brilliant yet creepy. It's, it looks like a lamp that you would buy at a... Uh, let me a, see it. A, a big box store uh, for like 12 oh, bucks. Yeah, it looks like almost like a, like a Japanese lantern yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and, uh, Oh, my daughter would love you, that. You touch one and then the other one lights up uh, wherever it's at i would take this on business travel and just mess with my wife like at two in the morning just turn her light on and she's like what i'm like ah i'm sorry i'm orlando thinking about you just thinking about you at just, two in the morning <laughs> i don't know I, it's a long night how uh, much is that so uh, let me guess okay where you go go you gonna say something i was gonna say one lamp or two lamps two lamps so we're gonna buy them as a pair it would make sense if you buy one of these i'm really not sure what you're doing as a, as a pair, I'm going to go ninety nine ninety nine. Wrong. Okay. A hundred and seventy dollars for for connected lamps. They're not even that attractive, if we're being honest. But neither am I. No, it's it's that's a, a pretty big waste of money. It's a lot of money when you could just pick up a phone and text or call. My second biggest waste of money of the week is the black 3.0 acrylic paint. It's not technically as black as Vanta black. But your eyes may not be able to tell the difference. The latest salvo in an ongoing feud between British artist Stephen, or pardon, St Stephen, Stuart Sempe and Anish Kapoor, black 3.0 acrylic paint is claiming to be the flattest, mattest black acrylic paint in the world. And unlike Vanta Black, which Kapoor holds exclusive rights to, it's available to everyone. 
except for Kapoor. It absorbs between 98 and 99% of visible light compared to Vantablack's 99.6% absorption across the visible UV and infrared spectrums. And unlike Vantablack, it can be touched and handled just like a regular acrylic paint. Now, while the winner of Simple uh, and Kapoor's feud has yet to be settled, the real winners are artists worldwide. So what you've just heard, Damien, is there's two nerds having a feud over paint. Do you know how long I've had to put up with cheap imitation black? You're not getting real black paint. Apparently not. It's 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 allowing too much light on the UV and infrared spectrums. So how much do you think some of this paint it is? Uh, it looks to be that's not a lot of paint, oh, brother. Like five ounce tubes or something? Yeah, yeah. It's a five ounce tube. What what do you think of the blackest? It's not even the blackest paint in the world because Vanta's is ninety nine point six. This is Close to being as black, but you can handle it more. How much do you think this costs for nerd paint? Can I give it to you in Bitcoin? <laughs> I, if you want. <laughs> no, I, uh, five ounces, I'm going to go with uh, 30 bucks. Did you look at this? No. Am uh, I right I, on? I, I have lost trust in you. It's $33. Wow, that seems like a deal. You feel like a guy with uh, with no hair seems like he would know a lot about paint. You know, do you ever paint your head up just to show the kids that you you know have hair never in black never in not especially not vanta black or black 3.0 no um what do you think about all the billionaire hate going on right now in the world uh since we're you know delving back into politics to make sure you never come back on the show what do you think about this i think of a lot of it's misplaced the uh, anger towards the people the billionaires i do unfortunately i um i agree with that I don't think you can look to solve your problems through somebody else's means necessarily. I think there's a lot of uh, personal responsibility that could solve some of the issues. Yeah. Um, so maybe we won't have a show next week at this point. Um, <laughs> doesn't sound like it. But, but I, I, well, I've got a special show next week. I can't tell anybody what it is, but it's a good one. Apparently, I'm not on it. No, you're not on okay. it. It's really good. Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of the, the anger uh, is, is misplaced and people need to look at themselves first before they, they start going after somebody else. Yeah, I, I think people are, are conflating two different ideas. Number one, um, the wealth gap. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's that, which... Um, okay, there, there's something yeah. there maybe. But then they're looking at the ethics and the choices of those at the top. Right, and, and so they're saying, well, you're a billionaire, so this is what you should do with your money, kind of like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You're right, they're spending for them. Or, well, you don't, your opinion doesn't matter because you're a billionaire and this or that. I just find like we're way too consumed with the opinions of billionaires. I'm not anti-billionaire, I just don't care about billionaires, right? So that's to say like when Schultz came in the, Howard Schultz came in the, the, the thing, my, let him run, what do I, what do I care? It's America, like run, you have the right to run. I don't dislike him because he's a billionaire. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. And as an independent, I don't really care what he does to the vote because it's like, vote. If you want to run, run. The market will support it. What if he has the best ideas? <laughs> what if he does? All right, that's it for the show. Oh, I love when we talk politics. It's great. <laughs> See you. Thanks for coming on the show today for your last appearance. Thanks. Uh, next week's special show, I think, not confirmed yet, I'll just say this, and I'll put it to you now. It'll make national news. Wow. That's all we have time for. Sending you good vibes. Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is my show. Do, do, do.